I was a troubled kid and had a lot of fantasy friends, most of whom disappeared when I grew older except for one, who I called Nick. As an adult, when I was studying, I had a teacher who said she wanted to speak with me alone. She told me that she was spiritual and could see a big skinny guy dressed in black with blonde hair following me around. I was shocked because I had never told anyone about him. She wanted to remove him, but it did not work, and she tried many times, but he kept coming back and got more and more active. I didn't think he was bad at the time, but I didn't see all the red flags. I had nightmares, and if I was dating, they would get nightmares about him too. He wanted me for himself, and he even got popular around my friends for being active. Way more popular than I was. It was almost like he took over my life. But one day I woke up in the middle of the night, and the lights were on and this young cowboy, around 17 years old, was standing at the end of my bed. He was dressed with black pants, black vest, black long jacket, and a black cowboy hat, with a white shirt, and he had blue, glowing eyes. He looked at me in a troubled way, and said, My name is Billy. I'm looking for my twin brother William. And by a blink of an eye, he was gone. I was a little confused, thinking it was a dream, but it did not change that I had to turn all the lights off again which was weird. I wasn't afraid, though. I felt calm and safe. And why would a ghost from the USA come all the way to Denmark to ask for his twin brother? It did not stop there. For a longer period, there wasn't any activity in my home. It was also, again, really weird. But then he started to show up again, this cowboy. He would stand in the hallway or behind my TV. He did not want attention. He did not talk to me or even look at me. One day, these two were facing each other. Billy and Nick, like standing face to face. They did not like each other after that. Billy would always stand between me and Nick, and he would stand really close to Nick and just look at him with those glowing blue eyes. He didn't say anything, but it was enough to make Nick back off. The weirdest part of all of this was, this was a turning point in my life. My life got so much better. I'm happy, I'm calm, I don't see or hear ghosts anymore. My life just went back to normal. And at that time of my life, my grandmother gave me a family ring. It was from around the late 1800s, and it turned out that my family, back in those days, was living in the USA. I don't have any idea what that means, if it matters, or if it's connected. But I do know that was the point when everything started to improve. Siren this story takes place during May of 2015, in Rotargol, inside the Hayar system of Silhet, Bangladesh. A Hayar is an area consisting of hundreds, if not thousands, of water bodies. During winter, these water bodies stay separate. During monsoon, they swell up and connect to each other. More than half of Bangladesh is covered in these irregular Hayars, Hayars that don't swell up every year. This story takes place in the Tangwar Hayar, specifically the Rotargol Drowned Forest. I was 13 at the time recently finished my junior school certification exam, and free. My father was working in Silhet Cadet College as an assistant professor. He heard of the Hayar nearby and decided to visit it to remember his childhood. My uncle, my father's younger brother, also decided to join. 
Unfortunately, there were complications in the cadet college, and in the end, my father could not join us. We hired a sampan boat with a shade, along with a boatman, for a four-day tour. It was not a motor or sailboat. The boatman had an oar. We'd eat and sleep in the boat and would visit several popular places adjacent to Tanguarheor, such as Bishnakandi and the Sari River. Our first two days went well. We ate and slept in the boat. Food was spartan, but tasty. The hours are large, but since it's mostly rainwater, it is transparent. At some points, the depth is 20 meters. At some, more than 100. You could see the different water-based plants that grew on the bottom from the surface. Much of the noon would be spent under the shade of the sampan, as there is no shade anywhere else in the hour. The incident occurred during the night of the 2nd. We were supposed to go to the Retargal Swamp Forest to spearfish at night, using the light of the onboard lamp as baiting. It was an excellent spot because the water is crystal clear, and because of the trees, the fish down there can get quite big. It was also where our boatmen chose to rest the boat that night, as the trees break down any currents that could lead the boat astray. The idea of spearfishing at night was a bad one. Our boatmen had warned about the mosquitoes of the swamp forest, but we didn't comprehend exactly how bad it was going to be. And neither did the boatmen anticipate our resolve to be so poor. We gave up pretty quick. We hunted in five spots and caught four rojitas in three hours, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m., before my uncle went into the shade, which had been secured with mosquito nets. I kept around for half an hour more before I followed him back in. I fell asleep shortly after, as spearfishing gets you all tensed up. At night, I woke up to the sound of soft singing. I sat up and saw someone sitting on the bow of the ship. It wasn't the boatman, as he was sleeping between me and the shade. It took me a little while to gather my bearings, and a little while more for my eyes to properly adjust. It seemed to be a woman, with long black hair, facing away from me. She wore a sari in the old style, aka without the blouse and stuff. I knew because I could see her back. I cannot say what color of sari because the moonlight wasn't nearly bright enough for that. I could tell you the color was deep. She was rocking left and right while singing. I yelled out, Hello there. She stopped. I felt like she was about to look back at me, but she just froze. Then she rolled sideways into the water. I heard the splash of her hitting the water's surface. Like any sensible person, I tried to crawl out of the shade and find out what had just happened. But just as I was about to pass the boatman, he grabbed me and pulled me down. I don't remember his precise words anymore, but what he said was something along the lines of, Don't go near the water. It'll drag you down. So, I didn't go. I just squirmed back to my spot and curled up. Nothing happened for the rest of the night. In the morning, we got out of there before the heat of the afternoon and enjoyed the rest of the tour, but I was on guard the whole time. Later, our boatman told us that this is something that just happens to the boat community, as often as once a month in those areas. It is simply that the community, depending on these waterways, is poor enough that they don't really have any choice. They just put up with it. Atwood. In 1976, my grandparents moved their family to the middle of nowhere, about an hour's drive to the nearest town in northeast Colorado. Mom was 16 and very unhappy about the move. She moved out as soon as high school was over, married dad, and went on her merry way. She said the Atwood house gave her the creeps, and she couldn't wait to get out of there. 
Grandma and Grandpa, still living, didn't make the move to town until maybe 2005 or so, when Grandpa sold all his farmland and cattle. When they moved to town, their house didn't have the same vibe as the country house, which I thought was strange. It was just a normal house with them in it. I started thinking about the house in the country, and suddenly I'm filled with a lot of questions about it. The feeling of the Atwood house was unique. Every summer, we would drive to Colorado and see Dad's parents in the mountains and Mom's parents on the prairie. As soon as we would make the turn and the country house was in view, my stomach would knot up and drop, and I would get the shakes. I always put it down to the excitement of seeing them, although even after a week of being there, the same thing would happen every time we drove around that corner, no matter who was driving or whatever vehicle. A feeling of unfathomable loneliness permeated the entire place. I just figured it was my grandparents, but now I think it was something else altogether. When they moved in, it was a three-room house, very small, very old. Grandpa and my uncle knocked out the east and west walls of the house and put a huge kitchen on the west end and another living room in the east end, three steps down. There was no division between any of the three rooms, so it was like a long rectangle divided by carpet and three stairs. Grandpa had finished one basement, but didn't finish the old storm cellar, which was once outside the house and now inside. One time, I got about halfway down the old cellar steps looking for Grandma, when I thought I saw a skeleton doing laundry and ran back into the kitchen terrified. I think I tripped on the way up, but it felt like a push. I never went down there again, although we always played in the new finished basement on the other side of the house. It was the feel of the place that got to me most, and it was everywhere on that property. When I was sitting at the kitchen table looking out at the prairie, I would get so sad I'd burst into tears. When I was looking out the windows of the living room to the cornfields, I'd just feel sadness. Even going outside to swing or help hang out the laundry or burn the trash, the wind through the trees would just fill me with a feeling of despair. This didn't happen at my aunt's house down the road or my uncle's house, which was also down the road and around a corner. Just there. Although they also said weird stuff did happen at their houses as well. My mom and I lived in a little house next to grandma's when I was very little and my dad was working in another town. I don't remember the house, but I do remember weird dreams of skeletons walking through the cornfields across the dirt road so I could get a better view of the trees blowing in the wind by the ditch. Still gives me the creeps thinking about that. Grandpa tore down the house a little later, because the snakes would get into the pipes and hide in the toilets. The only time I ever saw anything odd was when I was older. We were all bunked down in the old part of the house, the middle, on the pull-out couch. The front door, which no one used, was across from me, and the kitchen sink was just to the left of that. It's light on all night so Grandpa wouldn't run into anything when he left to check on the birthing cows. A dark shadow formed right inside the front door and stood there. It was right where the kitchen light shone, and it hadn't been there a moment before. It seemed masculine, and I watched it for a bit, and it seemed to nod. It wouldn't move into the new area of the house, staying only in the old section. I'm wondering if more things didn't happen that no one mentioned. The few things I heard over the years were pretty odd. Grandpa once told me he and his brother-in-law chased a ball of light through the fields. Grandma went MIA for an hour when a bright light enveloped her on a walk to the big tree one morning at 5 a.m. My uncle has had flashing lights wake him and his second wife up in the middle of the night and followed them around the house. This is just an example of some of the weird stuff out there. To this day, we don't know what happened to Grandma. 
She mentioned a light took her once about 15 years ago when she was walking to the big tree, and that's all she ever said on the subject. I say big tree in quotes because all the trees around there are the same size. No one knows what she's talking about. She did quit walking outside at 5 a.m. though. She and Grandpa were teachers, and so they were in town quite a bit, which meant the house was empty most of the time. I always got the feeling of being a Native American running. I just wanted to go out the screen door and run and run and run and not ever come back. Run away from the little house on the prairie scene and keep on running. I'm wondering if a settler took an unwilling wife and they're still trying to come to terms with each other. I have no idea. My sister went to see my grandparents this summer. On the way to my uncle's house, she drove by the old Atwood place. They had cut down every single tree on the property. In the yard, the ditch, around the barns, every single one. It looked even lonelier than before. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.